Mark here for Mark 2.0, Gordon's in Ontario, Canada. Our next guest, we have another great Michigan guest over in Grand Rapids, the legendary Kim Carson, radio host, DJ, you name it. Kim, now I want you to start out by uh, talking about how you got into radio. Okay. So um, I was kind of one of those kids that was um, didn't really fit in. I used to say bullied, and I kind of was bullied too, but I just didn't fit in. Like, I just didn't fit in anywhere. Um, I kind of feel that way now. Um, and so, you know, radio kind of was my refuge. I just, um, my mom started listening to WDRQ in Detroit and I started like 12 years old. I started listening and Bill Bailey was programming that radio station, legendary radio personality out of Chicago, WLS, um, and Detroit. And I was addicted to it. I, I slept with the radio on. I constantly was listening to the radio. I'm thinking maybe one day I'd be a singer. But I met a guy by the name of Rock and Ron. He was a DJ at WDRQ. He did evenings. And I called him and would request songs. And, and he said, you know, what do you want to do when you get out, of, get out of school, when you graduate? And it just popped in my head. I said, um, I, I think I want to be a DJ. And he said, uh, I said, how do you become a DJ? And he kind of gave me the rope, showed me like, you know, you, you turn on the mic, there's a little bit of the song that's ending, your voice, a little bit of the song that's starting and you send it out and you get jobs. And I made one in my bedroom and played it for him over the phone. And he said, when you get out of high school, um, I'll give you a job. And that's exactly what happened. I attended summer school for two years so I could get out a year early and graduated and moved down to Knoxville when I was 16. Wow, unreal. Yeah. What, down, down to Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes. So how did the people in Tennessee take to having a Yankee on the airwaves? Oh, it was great. I was working at an AC station. I think that's the thing is I think it you know, it trans, um, transcends all, you know, communication transcends everything. I think it transcends um, you know, nations, I think it, I think when you can communicate with another person, um, through those speakers, it doesn't everything, you know, when I was working in Detroit, I was working at WDRQ and I was the only, um, white girl working there on the air, the white person working there on the air. And I remember like girls would call me and they'd say, um, Hey, cause rumor had gotten out that I was white, right? <laughs> And so they would call me and they'd say, well, what do you look like? We were talking, what do you look like? And I said, well, what do you think I look like? And they said, I think you're Coco Brown with a Jerry curl. <laughs> and that was like the biggest compliment to me. And I go out to events and they're like, that's not Kim Carson. Cause if you can connect, it does none of that. None of that other stuff matters. If you can connect. Yeah. Now you've been all over the place, Rockford, Illinois. What, yeah. Was it Toledo? You were you in Toledo? Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Oklahoma City, um, Knoxville, Tennessee, Charleston, South Carolina for a day, and uh, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, that's why I got into this business, you know. And for me, like, you really can't tell how good you are until you leave a market. Like, like it's, it's beautiful to be able to be in a market. It's not the norm where you'd stay in a market forever in radio, but um, being able to move around from market to market and have success, it, it, again, it goes back to what I said. It's kind of like, it's always, you're always challenging yourself. You're always challenging, at least I am, um, challenging yourself to get better. Um, okay, how do I adapt here? You know, uh, what, what, what kind of delivery works here? Um, and you just do it. <laughs> <laughs> when Mark told me that you were coming on and I started to read through your resume and I'm seeing Oklahoma City, Boise, all yeah, Detroit, City. No Boise, no Boise, but <laughs> okay. Well, there were so many cities. I the first thing that sprang to my mind was being in radio, you must be familiar with Harry Chafe and the song W-O-L-D. Oh yes, for sure. I have it on. I have it on my Spotify list. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember listening. I'm a, I'm a huge Harry Chapin fan, and I remember listening to that song and wondering why 
there's such so much turnover in the radio biz. Yeah. Why, yeah. you know. Now it's now it's because there's no money in it. You know, right. now you see that but in the but in the other days, back in my when I was, you know, uh when radio was an art form, um it was so much fun. And I was usually the one that left because I I looked for a new challenge. You know, I wanted like 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 when I was in Detroit, Detroit's not the place that you learn how to be a music director. You don't you don't land in Detroit and then someone's going to typically teach you. I mean, it happens. But being a female, it wasn't. I mean, I was happy to be there. You know what I mean? At that point in time. And, and so I wanted to be a music director and no one would show me how to be a music director, probably for the first 10 years. And then um, Mike Wheeler in Toledo, Ohio, uh, I was doing the quiet storm show and he was, he still is what was my, my favorite boss. Um, well, there's probably about three or four of them, but he's right up there at the top. And he um, would be in, at night would be in the, his office scheduling and I was doing my show and I'd come in and I'd watch him and I'd say, God, I really want to do that. I really want to learn how to schedule music. And he's like, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I'll teach you one day. And so just give it, just give it some time. And so um, I remember going in there like every night I'd be in there just saying, I'd put that song there. And he's like, yeah, you got a good eye. He said, I'll tell you what, in the budget next year, we're going to budget for a computer for you. And you, you can have, we'll get you an office. You can do your own music. And we do the music for the station. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I goes, I'll show you. I said, oh, that's great. I said, is that all it takes is a computer? Is that the hangup? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the hangup. So I said, give me a minute. So I got in my car, drove out to Best Buy, picked up a computer, came back and said, I got the computer. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I went out, I bought the computer. And he goes, great. He said, I'll have the engineer set it up at your house. You can come in here at this time. And he taught me and he gave me that skill. And I love scheduling music, I at least during that time, because it was a creative process. Again, you could, yeah, computer can do it, definitely. But yeah. not quite as well as a human, because the, there's, there's an emotional aspect. There's a, there's a, a weather, there's a, a feeling, there's a vibe in a city. Um, all those things are important factors when you're scheduling music because it, it sets a, a mood and a tone for a listener that really is sort of unique to the person who's doing the scheduling. Like I may, a computer may schedule it the same for everybody, but for uh, me, there may be something that's a little different or for you or, or you know, you, there's something that's a little different. So um that element is missing. You know, it's, it's, it's really a beautiful thing to be able to do that in a city. Well, the, the question, when I, I had always been under the assumption and you can illuminate me, you know, on this, I always thought media properties are almost like trading cards among kids and media companies would trade radio stations, TV stations, there's so much buying and selling going on. And then a new program director comes in, formats change, and the hot morning voice on CHUM Toronto all of a sudden is told, well, we're going to easy listening now and we want a different sound. And that I always thought it was that kind of situation that would force the movement well, in the industry. Well, see, like that happened to me. I've been at a, a lot of radio stations that have changed format, but I was still kept on because 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 okay. you have to be adaptable. You know, you have to the PD wants something done and I'm there to make that happen. Um, and, and, and if I don't want to, if it's something that I don't want to do, then I just look for another job and leave. Like it's, it, but if, if I'm on board, you know, if I'm on board and I can catch the vision and I think it's going to win, that's the most important thing. If I think it's going to win by connecting, then, then I can, Mike Wheeler was like that. I mean, he, he was, he, and Bill Bailey, you know, just little tips that they drop on you uh, occasionally that just make you a better personality. Um, right. What happens you typically is a new PD comes in. There are just some PDs that come in and just clean house. 
um, in Detroit that happened at at Z95.5. He just cleans house. He doesn't want to take the time working with people or, or, or coaching people. He wants to bring in his own staff that is, uh, that already knows what he likes to do, that already knows what he, what, what he needs to do to win. And so depending on who you're working for, it's kind of, um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like for most of my transitions, um, I've been able to have the opportunity to stay on, whether it was a complete format change like WDRQ when it went urban um, or, or, or like a, a AC station to Christian, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it, I, I, like it goes back to what I said. If you're a communicator, you transcend all that. You transcend all that. I, I, I've got to ask you, you know, given the number of years you've been in the industry, what was it like working for Andy Travis? Andy Travis. I don't, I don't know who that is. You might've looked up another Kim Carson. No, no. Andy Travis. He was in Cincinnati. He WKRP. Had a I never, I never worked in Cincinnati. You never worked at WKRP. No, the show, the TV show. He's a big fan. Yeah, I love WKRP. Andy Travis was the programming director of WKRP. Oh, is that right? (laughs) It was was my lame attempt at humor. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't catch it. No, it's all good. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that I wanted to ask, because look at the song Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers. It became a hit because a radio station in West Virginia played a B-side. Have you ever experienced anything like that with songs? Yeah, I mean, there was one song. It wasn't really a B-side, but there was a song that came in to W Light when I was working in Grand Rapids uh, for Bill Bailey. And uh, it came in, and I remember I was going through the music. I was music director. I was going through the music, and this one song, I just like, I thought this is going to be a number one song. This is going to be a number one song. So I played it for Bill Bailey, which is typically what the music director will do. You'll, you'll pick out the things that you like and play it. And he's like, I don't know. And I said, I just really love this song. I love this song so much. I just, it, it, but it's not even a known group. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But listen, just let me add this song, no matter what. Let me add this song. And if it's not number one, then I'll, you know, I'll step away. And so like, not, like, let him, let him make the choices. And so he goes, okay, that wouldn't have happened. But I said, oh, he goes, okay. So, and the song was um, five for fighting. Um, now I just forgot of the title. Okay. <laughs> five for fight. No, and I know so, five for fighting. Is yeah. it 100 way? What, what's, what's yeah. That? 100 years. Yeah. 100 that? years. Yeah. That was a song and it, it was a hit and like, I just knew it. As soon as I heard that song, I just knew that it doesn't typically happen that way, you know, but as soon as I heard that song, I knew that it was special. I knew that they were special. And the, obviously the listeners connected with it, like in a crazy way. Now at, at W Light, do you remember uh, who was doing the eighties at eight? Is that that? Could, could they had it from like eight, eight to 10 PM. Cause I remember Gordon's going to laugh at this. I don't know if you remember the song, Gordon, but uh, they had the 80s at 8. I think it was 8 to 10 p.m. Monday through Fridays. And I called in once. I was a big Genesis fan, and I had not heard of this song. And I'm like, can you please play A-B-A-C-A-B? And I said, and they said, oh, you mean Abacab? Abacab. And they said, <laughs> they said, we don't have the, they, they said, we, unfortunately, we don't have that song in our format because W Light was a light but W Light would play a lot of different, like Nick Kershaw, wouldn't it be good during the 80s at eight? You would really yeah. get a good mix that you necessarily wouldn't hear, you know, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, and that's the, that's the, that was the cool thing too. It's like everybody turned to radio, right? For new music, they turned to radio to find out um, what was going on in their city. It, it was such a personal experience you know i remember being in detroit when marvin Gaye died and uh and it was a sunday and i was on the air and at that time there's a teletype and came across the teletype and i'm like what i just couldn't even believe it and i went on the air and i just said give me your give me your favorite like marvin Gaye memory you know you know he he made baby making music i mean there has to be memories out there of marvin Gaye and 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 for like four hours straight I took calls and just put them on the air 
that that could never happen now. I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> that and, never and that now. that's what you missed. I mean, I didn't have to yeah. call. I didn't have to call anybody and say, "Hey, can I do this? I'm, I'm thinking about doing this." No, we got to sponsor it. You know, <laughs> so and it's it, like the creative process is a yeah. little stifled. And that's what you don't get anymore is you'd have people call in. Like I remember calling into W light when I was working in high school at uh, Mancino's and I'm like, can you, can you request, uh, you know, man eater by Hall and Oates for uh, my supervisor, darling, you know, as a joke or yeah. calling yeah. in and putting them to the test. Cause I used to study the billboard books of like uh, us <laughs> and UK top 20 hits to see if they would have it. And they'd be, you know, or like way back lunch or something yes. like that, you know, right. Right. You, you don't get that anymore. You don't. You don't get, well, because nobody's in the studio typically. Sure. <laughs> There's nobody to answer the phones. They're in, probably the person may not even be in the city um, or the state <laughs> for that matter. So, so when something happens, like, boom, right? Like that. Yeah, you can have some stranger jump in and, but the, it, it, everything is a connection. Everything is a connection. Like I always worked for the listeners. That's how I felt. It wasn't like I was working for a boss or management. I always, always worked for the listeners. Yeah. The listeners were the most important um, thing to me when I started in the middle of my career. And now it's all about the people that I'm trying to connect with, you know? And, and if something gets in the way of that, um, I don't, there's a million different things that get, you know, the way that you do your show, the way, what you can say, what you can't say, if something gets in the way of that, then, then I have to go. Cause, um, cause that's, that's what, that's the whole reason I'm doing this. Well, there, there you know, I think back on radio and there are two aspects to it. There's one, the music, you have to like the music that's being played. If you don't Most like important the music, yeah, if, if if I don't like country western, yeah. I don't care how much I like the radio personality. Right. I'm not listening to that That's station. Right. Uh, what? But it now seems that in radio, when I do listen to it, that the personality we used to connect with DJs. Yeah. Mark was asking me when we brought you on because you've always been in different markets. I I was Toronto, and yeah, My, the, the Ron Ron Baptist, Rock and Ron who gave yeah, me and... my start in, in, in radio worked at CHAM, C-H-A-M. CHAM radio. Yep. Anything I, starting with a C is Canadian. I have a poster. I have a poster of him. Um, it was a survey card, but it was a big poster. And it's uh, the survey card is on one side. And on the other side is uh, a naked Ron Baptist with uh, one of those desktop phones, you know, in front of uh, the private area with his other to the yes. ear saying, rock and run, are you naked? Okay, that, that is what I'm saying. Like he was a star, he was a celebrity at Cham. He, ever, it, was, it was during the time of Burt Reynolds when he did that spread in Cosmo, okay. remember? And, they were able to on act the... on that. Yes, they were able to act on that immediately and capitalize on it, you know, and that's what makes it special. So Again. That was, oh, man. That, that was the 70s. Yes, he was there. Um, I think it must have been in the early 70s, maybe. See, the problem with me is I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in I grew up in the States and then we didn't move back to Canada until I was 12. Uh, but uh the names that I remember from Toronto, uh, starting in the later 70s and into the 80s, Tarzan, Dan, um, J Jesse and Jean, yeah. Tom, Tom Rivers, Dazzling, Don Daynard, <laughs> and the shift that happened between FM from AM to a FM radio. Yeah. FM used to be jazz and hard rock. Yeah, late night talk shows, yeah, and independent indie music. If you wanted to hear what was happening, if you wanted to hear the current hits, if you wanted to hear Billy Joel, you had to listen to an AM station, and then everything shifted to the FM dial, yes, 
And I kind of miss those old AM top 40 days. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was wild and crazy. It was, uh, I mean, you go back and listen to some of those air checks on YouTube. I have some that I'm putting up. I found a bunch of, well, I, I, I have plastic totes of air checks from every market I've ever worked on. And to go back and listen to those, I mean, it, it sounds, it's obviously it sounds different because it sounds dated, but other than that, the information and the content is still relevant. Like it's still, it still would connect with somebody today. Well, in my market, which is Southeastern Ontario rural. Yeah. Um, there, you, you mentioned Christian radio. Yeah. And I love listening to Christian radio. And one of the things I like, there's a station here up here called UCB Canada. It's syndicated across Canada, but it actually broadcasts. And the, the hosts are a couple, Mike and Wanda, are in the studio in Belleville, Ontario. Oh, wow. And you, they ask a morning question and invite you to call in. You get to talk on the air. And, um, you know, it's like going back to the 1980s, 1970s. Have you, have you said you'd worked in Christian radio? You can still get that. You can still get that in smaller markets. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, okay. you can still get that connection. And what would you prefer? Would you prefer being in a smaller market? Oh, I, don't, I never cared about market size. Market size no. never... If I can live and survive and thrive, um, that's what it's all about for me. I, I've never, it's never been, I, when I moved to Detroit, when I got, I was in um, Rockford, I was working in Rockford, Illinois, <clears throat> and I had, uh, well, I, like, let me, let me tell you, like, cause it's crazy. When I was working in Knoxville, my first job, I was on the air for six months, flew up to see my parents in Detroit, lost my air check on the airplane. A stewardess found it knew what it was, gave it to a radio station in Rockford, and they hired me. So then I went to Rockford, and I'm in Rockford for a year, and I get a call saying, hey, um, uh, you know, you don't know me. I didn't even hear you. I've never even heard you, but uh, a record rep heard you. He thinks you're great. We want to hire you. So then I go to Detroit, and the first month that I'm in Detroit, I get a call from K-Earth in Los Angeles. And Bob Hamilton was his name. And he said, uh, hey, listen, um, I heard your air check. We want to hire you. Because women were just getting on the radio at that time. And a lot of them were caught up in the PDs wanting them to sound sexy on the air. That was the big thing. You know, can you say? And, and I went through that, too. I'm not doing it. I mean, you know, that's just <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to do it on my terms, which is kind of what I did with the quiet storm. So anyway. I, I fly up and uh, I mean, he says, hey, we'll fly you to LA. We want to hire you. We want, we, I already know we want to hire you. And I said, no, I'm, I'm back home at my, my favorite, you know, I'm back in Detroit, my hometown. And he's like, no, just fly to LA. Once you fly out here, you'll never go back. I said, yeah, that's the fear, you know, that I'm going to fly yeah. out there and never go back. And I was only 18 at the time. And um, wow. I thought to myself, hey, if you want to go back, then you should be, if you were able to go there when you were 18, then you should be able to go there when you want to go. And there were times throughout the years that I just kind of um, threw my hat in the ring and I would get callbacks, callbacks, callbacks. I want to fly you out. I just didn't, I just wanted to see, but I never, yeah, market size to go from Detroit to LA. My gosh, it was the number one market, number one or two market. Um, but no, it never mattered. It never mattered to me. What matters to me is what I want to do. Um, I, I don't want to be like just a cock in, in somebody's wheel. You know what I mean? You have to do what they want you to do to be able to be part of the, to be part of the vision. But I don't want to just be caught like reading liner cards and doing things that are predictable, like so, so heavily structured and formatted that there is no time to connect with the listener. There is no time to be impactful or, or get off format, you know? Um, so no, no market size. I could be happy in Paducah. <laughs> yeah. And K, K Earth is a major uh, station. I forget who it was because because when I was in LA, uh, it was either Shotgun Tom Kelly or uh, Charlie Tuna. He obviously wasn't controlling the music, right. and they played like Me and Mrs. Jones, and then they they played 
or they played some some fast song and then me and yeah. mrs jones and he goes if i ever he he was you know really agitated he goes if i ever have you guys do that again he, he was just so mad that they play they went from this song to me and mrs jones you know like yeah. a complete shift but well, no it was an iconic station we had we had somebody come into a station that i was working at that did when i did a love song show it was um the Quiet Storm was on the air. I've done it, done it in a number of markets, um, but it was on the air for like three or four years at this one place, and it never left number one. It was the number one position from seven to midnight. Um, it was my favorite show that I ever did, working for a great PD. But um, you know, people come and go throughout, throughout, and and so I remember I it was an urban based show, and so I was playing a lot of Luther Vandross, Anita Baker, Ashade, and somebody new came in and put on like I'm playing it and put on a Kenny Rogers song. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Even you laugh. Okay. Yeah. Put on a Kenny Rogers song. And I'm like, I skipped it. I skipped the song. And so I remember the PD saying, you know, you didn't, you never play Kenny, that Kenny Rogers song. I'm like, right. Cause it doesn't fit Luther Vandross, Anita Baker, Rick James, and you know, Kenny Rogers. Are you kidding me? Like what's, it wasn't, it seemed like it was so transparent and obvious. And so um, he really wanted it on. He really wanted that song on for whatever reason he wanted it on. There could be a number of reasons, but I, um, I played it and then, you know, looked for another job. And within a month I, I quit, I resigned. Cause I'm not, cause that show was number one. It was my baby. I loved it. I, I loved the listeners. I knew the listeners weren't going to be accepting of a Kenny Rogers song, you know, sandwiched in between Rick James and Shade. It doesn't even make sense. And so I, I had to leave and it. And that was the hardest decision I ever made was leaving. Um, but I wanted to go out when we were up. I wanted to go out when I was number one. And, and then what happened was they continued that format. They, they hired a girl that um, was trying to sound like me. And then I, I had, I had, because a lot of management thinks that that talent, there are Lego parts that are interchangeable, that um, it's okay, go away, we'll bring somebody new in. Everybody is replaceable, right? Everybody's replaceable. But, um, but there are some people that are hard, harder, more difficult to replace. It'd be like saying you're replacing your sister. I mean, because there's a very intimate relationship that forms when you don't have the visual of somebody in front of you, that it's just you in your home, with a voice or your, it's you in your car with a voice, there's something so magical and so beautiful and so meaningful in that kind of relationship that I know because I felt it growing up as a kid, when a DJ would go away, I'd be crying and crying and crying because they're gone. They didn't even get to say goodbye. Just one day they're there and the next day they're gone and some new guys on the air yelling. I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's sounds crazy, but I've experienced it. So I know it to be true. What, what really now radio has evolved so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything now is programmed. Yeah. Everything's syndicated. That's why I wonder if it's really evolved or did it devolve? Yeah. You know, it, it's, we brought up WKRP and yeah. it's interesting yeah. that they kind of showed this what was happening they yeah. gave a window into what the industry was going to be doing in the coming years yeah because during the show you know the am signal is not good enough for music and everything is transitioning right. and we're going to be all news news and talk format which is what am radio has become that in late night conspiracy theories <laughs> yeah. have you ever done one of those shows uh, have you like ever done the overnight, the late night talk show? No, I've done overnights, but I've never done. Well, yeah, I should, shouldn't say that. I did that in Detroit. Um, Rick Torcaso, who was the guy who invented the young country format, um, put on the first uh, FM talk station. And it was in Detroit. Its call letters were Wow FM. I still have a sweatshirt from there. And it was a cool station to work at. Um, I had no business doing talk. I really didn't. It's just up there. I didn't. Um, it was, it was a challenge again. That was why I stayed on and to do a, a four or five hour talk station with nobody calling in and, <laughs> and you doing all the talking. 
Um, I'm not that entertaining to do to do a four or five hour talk show talking about anything, but having no feedback. Again, I feed on the feedback. I feed on the people. Okay. And what are you doing now? Because with ra radio, you're freelancing now. Yeah. My mom, uh, my mom had a traumatic brain injury about a year and a half ago. I'm and sorry. I came up here and there were some falls that were happening and things that were happening that um, it would be scary to, you know, she's independent and it would be scary to um, leave her by herself. Something might happen. Nothing might happen. But since I've been here, there've been a number of falls. And so I had to make that decision. You know, I love radio. I love radio so much, but I love my mom more than I love radio. So I got her, you know, to live independently. We're, we're, I just want her to be able to have a quality life as long as she lives. And um, if I can lend a hand, then I'm, that's what I want to do. And so um, I just kind of, I, I'm doing a lot of different things. That's what's fun too, because I'm not bored. Uh, I write for Women's Lifestyle Magazine. Um, it, it's, a, it's a publication that comes out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And it's um, basically, uh, you know, um, stories, uh, fashion, your, your typical women's lifestyle magazine, you know, and, and it's fun. I, I, I kind of write inspirational stories or I share a lot of my interviews um, through the pages. They become the audio becomes print. OK, or the video becomes print. And so I do that. I've got some um, voice work that I do, you know, voice tracks, like I'm telling you, not in the same market. Um, I've got, um, I've got, I like creating content and being able to um, monetize that. And, and in a small, in a small way, I'm doing that right now through a friend who's got a distribution company. So you can put the interviews on, on your newsletters or in your newsletters or, you know, on your website or whatever. Um, people are hungry for content. And so that's what I'm doing right now is I'm producing content. Are you still Very doing good. the podcast also? That's yes. My podcast. Kim? Yes. Yes. I, I interview lots of authors on that. So I work with some bookstores. That's Fantastic. great. Yeah. The nice, nice thing about working as you are now freelancing is you're not beholden. You don't have, there, there's no PD, there's no music director that you have to countenance right. playing. With the, voice track, with the voice tracking stations, there is a PD and they'll send you liner cards and what's happening, you know, um, uh, what they want, may, may want you to talk about in, in, in one of those hours or, or even five of those hours. But then you have like five or six open breaks. So that's up to you. You know, I like talking about the, you know, if you're working a classic rock station, they love stuff about the music. So I like to talk about the music. Um, top 40 stations, what's going on. I mean, there's, you have to figure out who you're talking to and what they want to hear about and then give it to them. It's, it's relatively simple, but, but you got to make it in a, give it in a, serve it up in a way that's palatable. I wanted to ask something. Was there ever a song? Because when I was growing up, this was way back when uh, WGRD was a different format because it's obviously yeah. changed throughout the years. We were in the car and there was a song that came on Living in a Box. I don't know if you remember that by Living in a Box. Yeah. You know, and my dad's like, and it was a, it was a top, their only top 20 hit in the US. They have a string of them in the UK. And my dad's like, what is this? Cause it's like, the lyrics were like, I'm living in a box. I'm living in a cardboard box. My, dad, <laughs> my dad's like, what in the heck is this? You know? And I thought, I thought it was genius, but uh, have you ever had a song where you, you know, that uh, you really didn't think would be a hit or what is this? You oh, know, there's a lot and of songs that I never thought were going to yeah. be. A hit. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of fun songs that I think that should have been a hit that weren't a hit. Um, you never know. You never know who, who something's going to click with, you know, baby shark. I mean, who thought, who thought, yeah. right? Who thought, who would think baby shark uh, Macarena? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a great dance song. And a lot of those songs that you don't think are going to be a hit, they're a hit for a flash. And then they're gone. Feelings by Morris Alpert. Yeah. You know, old 70s song. <laughs> well, there's let, let's get on a little bit to the dark side of radio. 
And, you know, there are certain songs when they came out, I can remember where I was. Yeah. Because I was behind the wheel of my car and I was driving on the Highway 400 when Lou Bega's um, Mambo Number 5 came out. And I love horns. Yeah. I just, I love brass. And so I heard that. I Oh, and I only caught it halfway through and I'm hearing on on an am top 40 station i'm hearing brass i'm hearing yeah. horns i'm like this is unreal yeah another one would be some nights by fun when yes. i was you know just, uh, chicago always had a lot of horns yes yeah but if you play a song often enough a lot of music uh, i think people would say is formulaic we built this city. Yeah, definitely. We built, yeah, and programmed, we're talking about payola, obviously. And a lot of programming directors would put that song into the rotation, yes. into the loop. And, you know, it's, it's got a, you know, it's got a catchy little beat, meaningless lyrics. Yeah. And... It sells. It and may sell, but it may not get you any ratings. That's the important thing is, is they lose sight of it. It does sell, but it's not necessarily something that your listener wants to hear every hour on your radio station. Right. You know, well, it is for, I, it, because formulas are predictable, right? They're really yeah. predictable. And people listening in the car want some predictability, but they don't want to know that this song is on again. I'm listening to this song. That's one of the most, that this, it's interesting that you use that example because that's one of the most disliked songs when, when focus groups were, were done, was that song was one of the songs that burns the fastest. If you play it, it needs to be played. You think about it, think about in Grand Rapids. When was the last time you heard that song? You probably haven't heard it for a while because it burns so bad that um, because of the formula, <laughs> what you mm. said. Well, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, but I just killed any chance of us getting Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> yeah, no, Mark, we started the yeah. city Starship, right? Yeah, whatever. Same Jefferson, thing, whatever they're we went through yeah. so many incarnate incarnations. That's it was Jefferson funny. Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Intergalactic. I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. I might have burned any chances of getting living uh, in a box on the uh, podcast. Too. Hey, we're still talking about it. Any kind of talk is good talk. No, definitely. Yes. Well, one thing that we didn't talk about, you've done commercials also, right? In yes. markets. Explain that. Talk about that experience. Well, um, I did mostly, you know, I love radio all throughout my career. I've, uh, there's been many opportunities to get into TV, but there's something about the mystique of radio that I'm attracted to. Also, I don't like having to put on makeup every day and do my hair. It seems like a big waste of time. So to, to do something like that, you, it's just built in. And I did do it. I did do it. And I, I got up every morning and put myself together, but um, that's not my favorite way to, you know, to spend time. And so I've kind of always shied away from it. Mm. I've always shied away from it. Um, I did a lot of commercials for, for radio, um, for Pepsi. It was a national commercial that, um, I did and Mojo, uh, the electrifying Mojo in Detroit, he did, we voiced that it went all across the country. That was when we were both working in Detroit. Um, and then I've done uh, TV commercials here because I lost a uh, 119, 20 pounds. Um, and so I kind of showed how to, how you do it. How do you get healthy? How do you eat healthy? Um, and that's about it. <laughs> Did you do, do any promos for like when uh, W Light or whatever station you're at, uh, we're on location. Did you ever go to any yeah, of those? Yeah, we did a lot, did of live broadcasts, a lot of live broadcasts and listeners would come out and visit. It was again, the highlight, cause I like to see that voice behind the other end of the phone when they call in and talk. And so to be able to, to meet them face to face and um, thank them for listening and maybe give them a prize or something. It was always fun to be able to connect with all the listeners like yeah. that. 
Wow. Dialing, dialing things back a bit. Earlier on, you mentioned how uh, there weren't many women in radio and those that were, there was kind of a, you know, to push the, hi, you're listening to right. Louise. I remember those days. Yeah, me too. And I'm listening to your voice and you have a very authentic voice. And I think that's really important. I think it's probably a, a bit, one of the biggest parts of your success mm. is there's an authenticity there. But you mentioned that you did play on that early on in your career that you, you know, did, do you find there are a lot of radio DJs who, oh, you're talking to Rick Smith, and then they pick up the phone, <laughs> yeah, it's Rick. Oh, just a sec, I got to go back on air. Yeah, it's Rick here again. We're listening too. I like that. <laughs> I always <laughs> like that. I always like to hear Rock and Run on WDRQ saying, Rock and run, rock it on in the Motor City, baby. And then get out back on the phone and like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I always, I always like that. Um, yeah, no, I could, I only modeled myself. Like I didn't even, like I didn't even realize when I first got into radio for the first 10 years, I was the first woman holding down her own shift um, on the radio for the first 10 years of my career and moving around, you know, I was always the first, always the first, always the first. There may have been a woman who was a co-host or something on a morning show, but never her own show. And so um, I would do that. I did that for 10 years. I didn't realize that that was a big deal. I know other people thought it was a big deal, but I didn't even realize that no women were on the radio. Like when I used to listen to the radio, I just liked all these different guys, Tom Morgan, Bill Bailey, Rock and Ron, Joey Ryan, um, Scott Regan. I, I, I loved all those different DJs, you know, Doug Banks. Um, I loved all those different DJs. And so when I got on the air, I emulated them. They were all I was listening to. So um, that's why I became kind of a hot ticket in that era was because uh, most of the women were doing what their program directors told them to do. Um, I did have a program director that wanted me to do that. I had a program director um, who I worked for, who hired me knowing the way that I sounded and then uh, wanted to give me volume to calm down. I said, no, I can calm down. I can calm down on my own, you know, but wanted to, and, and I knew that wasn't going to work out. That whole thing wasn't going to work out because that wasn't where I was going. A lot of program directors, I think, forget that it's just not about um, it is, I guess, about you, but it's not really because you have to get people that are going to win for you. And you can, you have to treat everybody fairly, but you can't treat everybody the same, if that makes sense. Everybody has to be, everybody's different. Like you may want somebody more laid back in middays when people are listening at work. And then you may want, you know, somebody who's more revved up on the drive home from work, you know, and then depending on what format the station is in the evening, you may want to do something different. You know, I, I wanted the opportunity to program. That was my big thing. Um, I programmed a couple times throughout my career, but um, my big thing was I also wanted to finally do a morning show. I was then pushed into doing a morning show throughout my career. I had no desire to wake up at that ungodly hour. It takes a toll on your body and mentally, physically, spiritually. It's just not normal to be waking up at 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning. It's just not normal. And I mean, it was great getting out early, you know, cause then it was like, you didn't even work. You had the whole day, but, um, but I wanted to try my hand at it. I wanted to do it. And um, I'm glad I did it. I don't think it's something I'd really want to do again. Would I do it? Probably. If the situation was right, would I do it? Probably. But, you know, I'm not close to anything. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about this business is that it was always an adventure. It was always, uh, where do I want to go next? Where, uh, yeah, I think I want to live in the South and see what that's like. Okay. I think I want to live in Oklahoma city. I've never been to the Southwest before. Mm -hmm. I met some of the most wonderful people in this business, you know, jacks and, and management and secretarial. Um, I just had a blast. I had a blast in my life. This was, this was, you know, I was blessed. I was, God definitely blessed me, but, but being the first woman, I didn't know. I didn't know any different. I didn't, I didn't, I could only be me. I can only be me on the radio. I can't be, um, I can, I can alter it for the format and information, but I can't be 
I can only be who I am. I'm not, I guess I'm not maybe an entertainer. Maybe I'm not an entertainer because I think entertainers are more like chameleons, don't you? Probably. Yeah. Uh, but you're a bit of a chameleon um, <laughs> because your name is actually, in point of fact, not Kim Carson. <laughs> and why? I've got an idea as to why you went with the name Kim Carson. Why do you think? Uh, why do you think? Well, it's first of all, it's hard consonant sounds at the beginning of both words, Kim Carson. So it's, <laughs> it sounds it good in a jingle. <laughs> yes, it's Dick. And then immediately, I, the two names that come to mind is Kit Carson. So it resonates. It, it, and the other name that comes to mind is Kim Carnes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, I look on it. I look at it and I say that was uh, a good marketing move, a good branding. Yeah, that's thanks to Ron. That would be thanks to Ron, uh, who gave me my first job. Because I said I didn't want to keep my name because um, all the DJs were changing their name. But um, like I said, going through school and having roll call backwards, you know, it'd be wild cherry. It'd sound like wild cherry. Everybody'd laugh. And, you know, and so I, I wanted to get as far away from, from that name and that person as I possibly could. And so I went to, um, I was doing everything when I was in Knoxville. I was the receptionist. I did the weather. I did the news. I did a midday shift. I did sales. And I happened to have to go uh, for $80 a week. I had to go and uh, go down to a record store and collect, because uh, the name I wanted to use was Autumn Johnson. Okay. And Ron's like, no way are you using Autumn Johnson. It sounds like a stripper. So you're not using Autumn Johnson. So come up with something else. So I went to the um, record store and I was going through the albums while I was waiting for a check to get bring, guy to bring me a check. I'm going through the albums, you know, going through and I see Kim Carnes and she's so pretty. And so I thought, Ooh, Kim Carnes. So I went back and I to Ron and I said, Kim Carnes or, or Kim Carson, Kim Curry or Kim Carter. What do you think? And so he said, well, uh, Kim Curry is just, stupid. If you're going to use Kim Curry, just use your own name. And then Kim Carter, it's like, ah, oh, Carter's an office. I don't know if that's such a great idea because there could be a scandal. So he goes, but everybody loved Johnny and everybody knew Johnny Carson back in the day. And so I went with Kim Carson and uh, it, it's worked out. <laughs> uh, did you ever have someone from your previous, your, your Sherry Wild days, did you ever have someone come up and say, I, I get in touch with you to say, I heard, was that you? I, are you Kim Carson? Oh yeah. It's happened. It's happened. It's happened a lot where, where throughout the years, people either recognize my voice, like in a grocery store or at a drive-through or, um, or that I went to school with who would call me on the phone in Detroit, you know, I was like 18 and they're like, are, is, is this really, did I go to school with you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me. And they couldn't believe it. You know, they were having a party and there they were listening, listening to me on the radio. It was wild. <laughs> that one, thing, one thing I wanted to talk about before we get you off is your book of poems. You're an accomplished author. Yes. yes. Yeah, I wrote um, a book called Essence of Life, um, a compilation of inspiration and, and, and word and poem. And it's um, it was based on, on doing that love song show. And I I, when I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, I woke up one morning and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a Christian and, and I kind of, um, I rely on that a lot. Um, I pray about a lot of different things. And I woke up when I was in Milwaukee one morning and I knew I had to share my poetry on the air. I'd never done it before. I was doing a love song show. I just knew it. I was certain. I like opened my eyes, boom, like you got to do it. And so I drove into the radio station and talked to my PD about it. And he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, I'm not really asking you if I can share it. I'm kind of just telling you this is what I need to do. And he said, I understand, but I just, we, I can't, I can't do it. I, I don't want you doing that. I'm like, okay. And so um, within two weeks, I got a call uh, from a pre PD who said, you know, we're putting on a new um, AC station, and we'd love to have you come out and program it and do music. 
and do a shift. And I said, can I do seven to midnight? And he's like, yeah, do he said, well, that's kind of what we were hoping you'd come back and do your love song show. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'd love to do seven to midnight. And I said, can I read poetry on the air? And he said, well, you're the PD, so you can do whatever you want. I said, I'll take it. So I drove back and resigned and then um, started reading poetry on the air for the last two weeks. And what city was that in? Milwaukee. Oh, wow. And, um, and my PD Milwaukee, was Wisconsin. Yes, yes, yes. And so my PD was cool about it. I mean, he, he really was. And he thought it sounded good too, finally. You know, you can't, it's hard to catch people's vision sometimes, you know, it's whether it's going to, because people bombarded the switchboard like the next morning wanting copies of that poem. And so he saw the value. He saw the value. And I didn't realize how big it was going to be because then everybody started calling and asking me to write poems for them, which I would do. And, um, and so when I went to Toledo, I kept reading it and people are, is this in a book? I want to buy this book. And so I kept saying I was doing a book, but I wasn't really doing a book because I didn't, I didn't want to do a book. I just wanted to read the poetry on the air, but I had to do the book. So I did the book and it, it sold regionally like 70,000 copies. If you go on Amazon, it's like all over the world. It's been in the Netherlands. Um, people must have sent it as gifts and stuff. And, and then a book was written about me called um, Hotline from Heaven, the Kim yeah. Carson story. Um, yeah. and, and Rick Benescrudo wrote that. And, um, and that's about, that's about it. Yeah. That it's, it was fun. It was a fun it, writing a book. I see all these local authors writing these books. It's hard work, man. You guys, it took everything that I had. I was at that radio station every night, just, just like, uh, just writing and writing and writing and writing and, and editing. And it was wild. It was wild. 70,000 copies sold. That's an accomplishment. That yeah. is an accomplishment for for someone who's not, you know, for John Grisham, for Dan yeah, Brown. Right, there nothing, go. Right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've, told, uh, I've, I've talked to different, I, I kind of thought the same exact way. I felt the same way because it kind of spread. It spread to different markets that I worked in. People started hearing it. So all the different markets that I've worked in across the United States, I've sent copies of those, multiple copies of those books. And then people order multiple copies to send to friends and then they end up in Europe and it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I don't have any kids, so that's going to be my baby. That's what's left mm. of me. <laughs> well, we'll make sure to post it in our uh, description where the uh, link so you can buy the book. We really appreciate you coming on, Cam. This was a pleasure, you know. Oh, it was so much fun. It's always so much fun talking to you, Mark. Also you. It's very, very, very nice to be able to yeah. kind of share. And, and even though you've been, you know, in all these markets you've been at uh, in West Michigan for the longest time. Yeah. You know? 20, God, 20 years going yeah. on 20 years. I, I can hear that Midwest accent <laughs> loud and strong. Yeah. I love, and, I love, I love this area. I love Kalamazoo. I mean, Kal Kalamazoo is one of the best kept little secrets. I mean, I get to get to get to introduce people to artists and musicians and theater people, um, movers and shakers that are just brilliant, brilliant people in, through Kalamazoo Lively Arts, which is a, a show that I do on WGBU. It's just a blessing. It's a blessing. I feel so blessed. That's all I can say yeah. is I thank God every day for giving me the ability to still do this and have fun yeah. with it. Well, well, given that we have a real professional here, could you hit everyone with a, hey, like and subscribe to the Mark 2.0 and be sure to check out our previous episodes or something to that effect. Like and <laughs> like and subscribe to the Mark 2.0 podcast. Great. And what? Thanks. No, that that's great. Yeah, and if you get the chance, write a uh, listeners write a write a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. It helps us out. You for know, sure, for sure. On the, uh, iTunes. Thanks so much, Kim. We really appreciate it.